Wasn't that wonderful? I love baptisms. I love hearing people's stories of how they came to faith, how God met with them. God is interested in each and every one of our lives way before we ever realize it. (laughs) That's incredible. Isn't that amazing? Just hearing stories of how God gets hold of somebody, their journey, uh, the time it takes, and how God gently reveals himself and who he is. And we come to know him as children of God. We come to understand we are loved children of God, just as we've sung in that song. Sorry, by way of introduction, my name's Andrew. If you don't know me, uh, I'm part of the leadership team here. And uh, I love baptisms. I think baptisms are just one of those moments where it's just so great to sit here and see about what God's been doing in somebody else's life. And uh, such precious occasions. Well, I've got the uh, privilege this morning of uh, speaking not planning on speaking for too long, and uh, uh, by way of an introduction to what I go- want to talk about, I want to ask this question. What's in a name? Now, those of you who studied English literature, or who enjoy Shakespeare, you'll be thinking, ha, I remember that quote, it's Hamlet, isn't it? And you'd be wrong. It's not Hamlet. Which one was it? It was Romeo and Juliet, wasn't it? The great love story. The great love story built around two people's names. But it wasn't Romeo and Juliet. That wasn't the important bit. It was about their surname. Because their surname told you something about the family. And if you don't know the story of Romeo and Juliet, you may want to go and read it. I wouldn't give it too strong a plug, if I'm honest, because I'm not very good at English literature. Um, But it's, it's a love story about two Uh, People who want to be together, and yet there's a blood feud between their families. And a blood feud meaning that they can't associate with each other, and yet they want to be together. What are you going to do? And of course, it's a tragedy. They end up, ultimately, their names end up being their downfall and their death. Names are important. What's in a name? So much. So much is in a name. You know, names can be used to brand things, to communicate image, style, to target a particular group, to create loyalty. If I was to chuck out some names, I don't know, Adidas or Nike, uh, certain people in this room go, oh, that's the one I like. Or if I was to talk about Waitrose or Lidl, brands, they have loyalty to them. Do you know, this last few weeks, I've been looking to buy something. I'll let you in on a, a little Lawrence secret. I've, I've been le- looking to buy something. It's a second-hand product. I've been keeping an eye on a couple of Facebook groups and Gumtree and eBay and all those sorts of different things. I wonder whether you can work out what I'm trying to buy by the brand names. Fanatic Allwave. No, I'm with you. You think, what on earth one of them? Starboard Hypernut. Anybody getting any ideas yet? Paddleboards. Ah, some people do know. The next one I was going to use is called Liquid Shredder. <laughs> it's like, where do you get these names from? They're paddleboards. They're type of surfboards or paddleboards. And... Uh, but, you know, names communicate something. I, I think I'm the wrong age group for this product because the names meant nothing to me, but I'm sure they're very good with the right age range. 
Names are given to people as well. We talk about your given name, your Christian name, or your given name, the name given to you by your parents. And parents often spend a lot of time thinking about what name do we give this child? Some, some parents, they know the name of the child before they're born. Others say, oh no, I want to get to know them before I name them, before I give them a name. I'm sure Sue knows this, but the word Sue is a Hebrew name. It comes from the Hebrew, Sue or Susanna originally. And uh, uh, it's a word meaning lily. And within that, the meaning of lily is about humility. And it's about devotion. And that's where, where the word Sue or Susan comes from. It's a reflection on someone who is both humble and yet devoted. Great name. Different types of names, though, can also be nasty, humiliating, even the source of great pain. Even as I said, some of us may be reflecting back to perhaps days at school where we had a nickname. But it wasn't a nickname which was fun. It was a nickname which was used as a way of bullying us, of hurting us. Names are... So powerful, fatty, skinny, lanky, shorty, or maybe something a bit more personal. Do you know when I was at school, somebody, one of my friends, friends in quotes, decided I had big ears. And uh, it's the days of the Beano cartoon, and I got known as Biffo, Biffo the bear, because he had ears that stuck out, if you remember. And that was my uh, nickname at school. I have to say it's not one I particularly embrace or want to encourage, just to say that. <laughs> um, words so casually spoken sometimes can take such deep, powerful root into our lives. They can shape us. They can define us. I wonder... What words or names you associate with when you think about yourself? What would, what would be the names you put over yourself, the words you put over yourself? Today I want us to briefly consider what Jesus calls us. And uh, I'm going to read from... Uh, the Gospel, one of the accounts of Jesus' life, this one written by John. Uh, I'm going to be in chapter 15. If you are wanting to turn to it, that's fine. But don't worry if you haven't got it with you or if you don't want to, that's fine. I'm going to read it to you. I'm only going to read two, uh, three verses. And uh, I'm really just breaking into the middle of a passage here. So John chapter 15, verse 13 says this. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. 
And Father, we ask just as we consider your word over these next 10 minutes, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you bring a revelation which gets deeply seated in our hearts and lives of what it means to be a friend of God, to be called a friend by Almighty God? Let it take deep root in our hearts and lives and may it it yield great fruit. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, you know where we're heading. (laughs) It's a very simple passage, isn't it? But Jesus says we're we're called friends. Jesus, the pure, holy, spotless son of almighty God, says, hey, guys, disciples, the people around him that he's talking to at the time, I want to call you friends. And his words from 2,000 years ago speak to us today. They are still just as relevant, just as appropriate today. Almighty God wants to call us, each and every single one of us, no exclusions. You may be sitting here thinking, yeah, it's okay for that lot. They're they're part of this crowd. They're part of this group, this thing called church. I'm not He calls them friends. He doesn't want to call me a friend. No, that's not true. He does. He wants to call us friends. Now, the most amazing thing is you may be here and you may be sitting and you may be thinking, but I'm not worthy to be called a friend, a friend of God. How familiar is that? How inappropriate would that be if God really is almighty God? If he really is the creator and sustainer of the heavens and the earth? If he really knows everything that goes on in a man's life? Which incidentally he does. How can I be called a friend of his? I'm not good enough. I'm not right enough. I'm not holy enough. How can I be called a friend? And the clue is in the first verse we read. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus, in uttering those words, is foretelling what is going to happen. Jesus is uh, talking about his crucifixion on the cross. His crucifixion on the cross to take the sin of the world. Not just one person's wrongdoing, but to take past, present, and future sin on himself as the pure, holy Son of God. Jesus takes the punishment of his Father for all that we do wrong. And he lays down his life in order to call us and welcome us into his family as friends. That's amazing, isn't it, really? I mean, what an incredible transaction. If you had to write a formula, I'm a bit of a, I love maths, okay? If you don't know me very well, you may not realize, but I love maths. And I love mathematical problems and formula and all sorts of things associated with maths. And, you know, most simple sum, which lots of kids get taught, don't they, is 2 plus 2 equals 43. Oh, no, hang on, that went wrong. 2 plus 2 equals 4, doesn't it? But sometimes in life, there are things you can't explain with a formula because they just don't add up. 
They just don't add up at all. And this is one of those things. If you think you can explain and prove why God's grace is sufficient, that you can justify what he's done by saying, well, this and this and this and this and this, that, that justifies why he would let his son die for me. You can't. It's a completely unbalanced situation. It's totally, outrageously unbalanced. It's unfair. It doesn't stack up. It shouldn't be allowed, and yet God's done it. Hallelujah. Because if he hadn't, none of us in this room could be called friends. Almighty God, who's pure and perfect and holy, sends his Son... Jesus to earth, who is also absolutely pure and perfect and holy in all of his ways, to take the punishment of God for the sin of mankind, God's creation. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't compute. It's outrageous love. That's what it is. It's outrageous love. Absolutely outrageous love. It shouldn't be allowed, really, should it? And yet, we're all sitting here thinking, I'm so glad it is. I'm so glad it is. The outrageous love of God. See, greater love has no one than this. <laughs> this is the de definition of love. It is the, the, the perfect definition of love. That Christ comes and dies for the sin of the world. That gives his life for what? To make us friends. To call us friends. But in the process, you know, Jesus doesn't just stop there. You may say, well, friends, um, yeah, friends, that's so-so. That, that's I can take or leave friends, you know. It's an easy word. He gives us another name as well. We've been singing it all morning. Funnily enough, Pam's choice of songs, she didn't really know quite where I was going in this preach. And uh, yeah, Pam, Pam's choice of songs for this morning, so appropriate. Children, children of God. We're not just made friends. Actually, we're made children of God. Sons and daughters. We are brought into God's family the price is paid through Christ's sacrifice on the cross to bring us through and bring us into God's family. We become children. That passage which Pam started with this morning, when she started reading it, I thought, oh, oh, she's reading the passage I'm going to preach from. And then I thought, oh, no, she's not. Not far off, but uh, from John chapter 1, verse um, 13, or yet 12. Yet to all who received him, that is to... Uh, to those who have accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. That's who we are. We're children of God. These are the names God gives us. Loved children, sons and daughters. You know, for some of us, being a son or a daughter may not have a very positive um, uh, it, it may not be a very positive thing because maybe things weren't great in your own family. Understand this. When we come into the family of God, we come to the perfect father. 
We don't need to taint how we see him from how we were brought up by our parents. We need to understand that we're brought into a family which is absolutely perfect. A father who's absolutely perfect. We get brought into this family and we get called children or sons or daughters of the living God. Wow, what an amazing status that is. That God would say, hey, you're like my son, Jesus. You've been brought into my family. You, not, not the, and please hear me carefully on this. I'm not saying we are Jesus, but Jesus is the son of God. And God calls us sons and daughters. He gives us a status. Wow. Yeah. We become brothers of Jesus. Adopted brothers of Jesus or sisters of Jesus. That's where we get to. That's the name we get given. That's the family we become part of. And baptism, because you may be thinking, Andrew, where on earth are you going in, in all of this? Baptism is all about acknowledging this. That's what baptism is. It doesn't make us a Christian, but it's a sign to the world around you, around you, around us. It's a sign saying, hey, I've decided to live in this way. I want to acknowledge that my family now is, I, I'm coming into the king's family. I'm part of his family. And I, I join all these folks here. They become my brothers and my sisters in Christ. Wow, look at that. My family's got a bit bigger suddenly. But it's not even just these folks here. It's these folks in thousands and tens of thousands, maybe millions of churches across the world. I come into that family. <laughs> the family of the king. How precious is that? So being baptized, as I say, it doesn't make us a Christian. It's an outward expression, as Sue so well put when she shared her story, uh, of uh, really as, as she's lowered back into the water of her saying, I'm dying. Me, my old life is dead. I'm dying. It's like a grave behind us, a coffin or a grave behind us. I'm dying to my old way of life. And as I'm raised back up, I'm saying, hey, I'm now going to live a life completely different because I'm in God's family, because I know who I am, because I've got a name over me which is far more precious than any other name that's ever been given to me. I'm part of the family of God. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a friend of God. And so baptism is a way of saying my identity, who I am, it's wrapped up in Christ. I'm following Jesus because he makes the way for me to know the Father. Because that's what he does. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to make a way for us to know the Father and to come into a relationship with him. Like saying I'm his child. He's my dad. We're in a relationship with each other. It's, it, it, it's expressing that heart it is, though, also about obedience. It's saying, hey, because of this relationship, I want everybody to know. And the Father, one of the things he instructs us to do when we come into his family is be baptized. And therefore, okay, that's easy. He calls me to be baptized. I get baptized. It's a sign of obedience, a step of obedience. It doesn't make us a Christian. But it is a sign saying, hey, I want to live this way for Christ now. It's a matter of nailing our colors to the mast. 
And do you know within that then, thirdly, so first of all, it's, a, it's saying, hey, I'm part of God's family. Secondly, it's about step of obedience. Thirdly, there's a blessing comes with obedience. And the blessing is this, that as uh, we take any steps, actually, of obedience in Christ, there are blessings. But as somebody's baptized, and it's one of the reasons why we pray this when people get baptized, actually, we believe that uh, the Holy Spirit wants to come and fill them afresh. It's not that they haven't been filled with the Spirit of God before, but just to make them even more aware of the Father's love for them. In the book of Galatians, at the end of chapter 3, beginning of chapter 4, it talks about how the Spirit in us affirms our sonship. It says, hey, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're in the family. And that's why we often pray for people when they get baptized, to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Because actually there's a blessing as we take those steps of obedience. We're also looking for that blessing from God on people's lives. And what a better blessing than knowing even more so, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the King of Kings. I'm in the family, I'm a friend of God. I've got a new name over my life, a new name which shapes how I live. Let's just pause for a moment. I want just to create some space just for one minute. I'd like to ask you this question, and perhaps you can stop and think about this. Do you know... Do you know this is how God sees you? Is it, is it in here? Has it got down into our heart? This is how God sees me, as a friend, a son. Why don't you just pause for a moment and just reflect on that? And if, if you're thinking, actually, I want to know that more, why don't you ask him? You can ask him right now. It doesn't need to be complex. It can be really simple. God, I want to know that I'm a child of God, brought into your family, a son or a daughter, as is appropriate. Father, I pray for each of us that you bring that revelation more and more that we're defined by who you say we are. That our lives will be shaped out of that heartfelt knowledge that we're yours. We're friends of God, children of God. And that that would shape us and that that would mold us. Transform our hearts and lives, we ask, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. There's something else I'd like to do before we finish. And it's this. If you don't know God in this way, if you don't yet know what it is, where you can say, yeah, I'm definitely, I know I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend of God. And perhaps, though, you would like to explore some of the claims of Jesus in an environment which allows you to ask questions. 
allows you to ask the sort of questions you think that perhaps others may not like to, to have asked. The difficult ones. I'd like to come and invite you to ask your most difficult questions. The hardest ones you've ever come up with. I'd like to invite you to come and explore with us. You see, this week, actually, we've got one of these things called an alpha course starting. Here's one of the flyers for it. You'll see some posters up in the building. These invitations are around. Um, and you're very welcome to pick one up. Or they're on the tables in the cafe and other places. Or you can come and get this one off me afterwards. It's very simple. It starts at 7 o'clock this Wednesday, 2nd of October. And it starts with a free meal. Come on. Free meal. Sounds like a good plan to be at. And um, what it is, is the way Alpha works is there's a meal, uh, opportunity then just to chat and meet people and uh, find out about each other and that sort of stuff. And then there's a bit of a presentation, 15, 20, 25 minutes, something like that, presentation about an aspect of Christianity. And then after that, there is a moment or a time quite a good chunk of time to stop and talk and discuss and ask questions. It's a great way to explore the Christian faith and any questions allowed. Okay, even those ones you think, oh, will Christians be comfortable with that sort of question? Any questions allowed. And I'd like to invite you, why don't you come on it? If you don't yet know Jesus as the one who can call you a friend, what have you got to lose by coming on this course? I can tell you what, there's a lot you can gain. So why don't you think about it? Why not come on it? It's a taster session. This week is a taster session, as was already said earlier. It's a taster session. You can come. You don't have to come back. There's no commitment, no buy-in. You can come for a second week if you want after that. Or a third week, you can step out any point in time. There's no, nobody's going to hassle you or chase you or pursue you if you decide it's not what you're after. Why don't you think about coming on it? Now, of course, the difficult thing is you say, well, I don't know who's running it. I don't know. Uh, oh, well, bring the friend who brought you. If you've come today with a friend from Harvest Church or just somebody who's perhaps got faith, why not say, well, will you come with me? Another thing which may help you is to know who's running the course. So, guys, if you're running the course, this next Alpha course, can I ask you to stand at this moment, please? Okay, so, okay, this is uh, Mark in the stripy top and Bob in the uh, very nice, trendy, pale yellow uh, T-shirt. And um, uh, these guys will be leading the course. There's others involved in it as well. Ruth, uh, Mark's wife, is sitting next to him. She's involved in, in running the course and some others as well. Thanks, guys, for standing. You could go and ask them about it during coffee. Bob, you know, great pale yellow T-shirt, stands out in the crowd, really easy to go and find. And... Uh, why not go and ask them about it? They'd love to tell you more about it. Think about it. Alpha course starts this Wednesday. Free meal, 7 o'clock here, Alton Maltings. Great opportunity to explore the Christian faith and come to understand something about why we can talk about being sons of God, children of God. Seems outrageous, doesn't it? And yet Jesus says he calls us friends. You're, of course, very welcome to come and talk to me about it as well, just to say. So we're going to conclude at this point. Can I say, all of us need to know Jesus more. 
This isn't just for a few. Can I encourage all of us as a church? Let's enjoy who we are in Christ. We're friends of God, sons and daughters of the Lord of all lords, of the King of all kings. Let's let what he calls us take precedent over everything else in our lives. Let's let how he loves us define how we live our lives. Amen? Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you his peace. May you know the love of God and the friendship of his Holy Spirit. And may you know his voice calling deep into your heart and into your soul. Friend of God. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. We're going to finish at this point. Refreshments will be served out in the cafe. If you've got any questions, please feel free to come and have a chat with myself or somebody else. Uh, If we can pray for you in any way, again, same thing. Please come and grab one of us. We'd love to do that. Thank you so much.